heard this phrase many times. Maybe, maybe in such a day like this, it's Pentecost Sunday. So all of the Western churches celebrate the day of Pentecost. And I'm sure you have heard this phrase, be filled with the Spirit. Maybe um, in many churches today is on a banner. Or if you go in a Sunday school, it can be on a poster or even painted on the wall. Maybe you read it in your Bible many times or you heard it in sermons. But really, do we really believe that there is a Spirit, God Himself, the third person of the Trinity, that lives in us? Do we really believe that people who are baptized and then they make profession of faith, they have God inside them? Do we really believe that there is a Holy Spirit living in us who can take our thoughts and make them captive to Christ? And maybe take a feeling of anger and give us peace? And take an attitude of rejection and give us one of embrace? Do we really believe that as Christians we have a Holy Spirit, a God a person of the Trinity, a God inside us, the Holy Spirit, modifying, playing, orchestrating all of the events in our life so that He can f- use us for His glory, maybe clear roadblocks, open doors that seem locked, lift barriers, clear the way for His Spirit to work and for His plan to be advanced through us and in our lives. I'm not sure where you are, but do we really believe that we are filled with the Spirit or we have the Spirit of God in us as disciples? Well, the main truth of this morning is that there is an absolutely necessary Spirit. There is no doubt about it. If you are a disciple, if you even talk about spirituality in terms of the Bible, you have that because of the Spirit. There are many people who are religious or spiritual in the world, but there is nobody who is a disciple of Christ, a child of God, without the Spirit of God in themselves. So I invite you this morning to just go with me in time to this day of Pentecost. It's a Sunday, first day of the week. The disciples are in Jerusalem. They are in an upper room, maybe in the temple. Most people believe they are in the temple, in one of the rooms in the temple. And they are praying. And it's ten days since Jesus left them alone. And they are praying, Christ Jesus, fulfill your promise. We are weak. We are scared. We don't know what the future holds. Fulfill your promise of sending us the Spirit so that we will not be alone. So let's read in the, books of, in the book of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, which is today, they were all gathered in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole, the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. 
Well, as Romanian, I can tell you I have the feeling, I mean, sometimes in Aldi's or in one of these stores, uh, I go and I just, I just say, what? What was that? And I, maybe I go and it's in the other aisle and I, oh yeah, that's Romanian. They speak Romanian. I, I try to look for them because in a mass of people speaking English and sometimes Spanish, right? I can pick up if somebody is Romanian. Not many times, it does, but it does happen, you know, a few times a year. And I think that that's what they hear. I mean, they were puzzled, you know, too. But the, the thing is here, it's an absolute necessary, there's an absolute necessary spirit for two things. First of all, for spiritual transformation. There is no spiritual transformation. Yeah, you can be spiritual, like I said, religious, but being born again, being born of the spirit is only through this Holy Spirit of God. And second, if you want to live a holy life, there is no way we can live a holy life, unless you think of legalism, but holy life following Christ without the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, to just get us started, I was um, thinking that we should study a little bit the context. It, it will just put things in perspective for us. You see, if you think what happened at the day of Pentecost. By the way, Pentecost is called today. It was called the Feast of the Weeks in the Old Testament. And it became Pentecost because the Greeks, when they conquered, and the Greek culture came about 200 years before Christ, they changed and they said Pentha is five, so it's the 50th day from, for us, is from the resurrection of Christ Jesus. But look back in the Old Testament, chapter 23 in, Levit in Leviticus, seven holidays, seven feasts for the Jewish people. And I will just look at three of them that are relevant for our uh, celebration today. You see, is the Passover. The Passover is right there. And the Passover points people to the Passover lamb, a lamb that is being sacrificed on behalf of the people so that they can live free. And then, after three days, on Sunday, the first day of the week, is the first fruits, the feast of the first fruits. And basically, a priest takes uh, the first fruit. They just take the sickle, they go in the field, and they cut barley or wheat, and they bring a sheaf of wheat and barley, and it's, it's called a waving offering. And they wave like this above, above the altar, and they say, Lord, thank you for the coming crop. These are the first fruits of the earth. And usually they are, you know, green still, like in that picture, you know, not dry. And they say, we are looking ahead at the, at the 50 days of harvest. And after 50 days, they come back to the Lord, and it's a, another offering, and it's a wave offering too. They take... That's called the, the, the Feast of the Weeks. They take two loaves of bread made with that wheat from the grain. And it's again an, a waving offering. And the priest doesn't even touch the altar because this bread has yeast, which represents, among other things, sin. So it's just a waving the offering and says, Lord, now these are the fruits of the earth. Thank you for this plentiful 50 days of harvest. Now, how is this fulfilled in Christ? Why is it relevant for us? Well, if you think of the Passover, right? The last Passover that we are talking about here in our text is Jesus with his disciples in the upper room and they talk about the death of Christ. And indeed, the next day he is crucified on Friday as the Lamb of God. So he fulfills the Passover in his own body. Then on Sunday morning, the first fruits, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. He is the first one to be resurrected in a glorified human body. He is the first fruit from the grave. And then finally, 50 days later, which is the Pentecost day, we have the Feast of the Weeks, and then is the pouring of the Spirit. You see, 10 days earlier, Jesus, we have the ascension to heaven. We call the ascension to heaven. He went back to be with the Father. 
So forever he will be with the Father until his second coming. But he gave us the promise 10 days earlier. He said, in few days, just keep praying. I am going to pour out and going to fulfill all of the Old Testament promises. And I'm going to give you a spirit that will be inside of you. You see, in the Old Testament, there was the, given the law. But law was external. But even when the law was given, which was external, wasn't inside them, there was still fire and thunder and smoke and everything else. But even when the law was, the, the, power, the powerful presence of the Lord was felt visually, audibly, and every way you want. They said, Moses, you go. May the Lord talk to you. We are so afraid. So just leave us alone. Bring us the law. We'll just wait for you to talk. But now... The same thing happens in the day of the Pentecost. Again, they are together. The disciples are praying. They are obeying what Christ said. It was the first day of the week. And then suddenly something happened. There is a powerful rushing wind, big noise in the whole city. In that city, there were about 200,000 Jews gathered from all corners of the Roman Empire. And many of them hear this sound and they are scared. What's happening? And this is what's happening besides, besides that rushing wind, the, 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 the crashing noise. There's also the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon each and every one of them. From that point on, we are not alone. In the universe, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Spirit, came to be with us, the church. We are not alone. And they saw it. They heard it. And look what the people said. They were Jewish. They are Parsians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And they said, we all hear the disciples decreeing the wonders of God in our own tongues. So amazed and perplexed, they asked, what does this mean? What does it mean? How can I hear them speaking Dutch when they are not Dutch, right? <laughs> that was an amazing thing. A Romanian like me speaking Dutch. You know, can you imagine a Japanese, right? Or Chinese. And everybody was saying, what is happening? Something is happening here. And of course, what was happening is, is that the Holy Spirit, you see, we call it Holy Spirit. Even the Bible, why do we call the Bible holy? Holy means it's not ours, it's, it belongs to God. If something is holy, it belongs to God. So the Bible is God's product. Yeah, it was written by many humans, but in the end, He is the author. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we manufactured. It is coming from God, from the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity. Once the second person, the Son, went up in heaven, the, the third person, the Holy Spirit, was sent to us. And not only that, He's going to come and He is living inside us. All those who are baptized and profess their faith in Christ, they have this powerful God inside them called the Holy Spirit. So, the absolutely necessary of uh, necessity, the absolutely necessary spirit. First of all, talks about a spiritual transformation. What is he doing? He is transforming all of those disciples. You see, he came on the Pentecost to be with us so that God can live with us. He filled the disciples and he wants to fill all of us. He wants to completely fill us. Not only that, he empowered Peter. Peter stood up 
Peter, the one who denied Jesus just days earlier, now he stands up in front of thousands and thousands of Jews and says, let me explain to you what is with this wind, what is with this fire, and why are we talking in a language that you can understand? And Peter says, it is the fulfillment of God's promise. So Peter, the fearful one, now is the brave one. And finally, the same spirit transforms the life of about 3,000 people. The first, I would say, megachurch in the world, right? And not only that, it becomes a megachurch with multi-sites, you know, because all of them go in different places with the same gospel, with the same message. So... What a powerful transformation. But it wasn't only powerful transformation that the Spirit did. The the Spirit is also necessary for us. You say, what about us today? Well, for us, the Spirit helped us lead a godly life. You know, because He is a person, you can offend Him. You see, because I'm a person and you are a person, we can offend each other. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. We can talk to Him, but we can also offend Him. So two things that we can do negatively. You can suppress the Spirit. You know that? Let me see what Paul says. Look here. He says, don't suppress the Spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the Master. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. In other words, you can suppress the Spirit by stifling a voice of somebody else. Have you ever thought of that? It could be a child of yours. And often I I fight with that. I don't want to stifle their ideas, their mission, their calling in their life. So the question is for us, are you suppressing the Spirit? In In other translations it says, a quencher. You know, somebody that throws water on a fire, right? A quencher. Are you quenching? Are you suppressing the Spirit? Well, a few things. What does it mean? Hold back. You hold back. You tie down. And you basically tell the Spirit to shut up. It can be somebody in your family. It can be somebody at your work. Somebody that you are close with. But you reduce to silence a voice or a thought. Maybe you are with some friends. And you say, we are going to set up to do it. Especially just think of teenagers, right? And then one, one teenager, Johnny, says, you know what? I get a feeling. I mean, I don't think it's a good idea. Let's... But you suppress that voice. Say, hey, you know, hey, that's just Johnny. Let's go and do it. And you end up where you end up, right? So maybe it's a thought in your mind. You just, you just, you just sit there and think, what, what am I going to do? And then a thought says, you know, this is not the good option. Go with that option. Well, you can suppress that thought and still do it. Even if it's a bad option, even if God says, this is against my will, you can go against it. You can suppress the spirit. Or finally, it's a feeling. Maybe you step into a room. And everything in you, your feeling says, you are in the wrong place. You are in the wrong crowd. Or maybe you are with somebody in a dating, and, and, and the spirit, you, you feel, this is the wrong person to be in the wrong place. You know, I should get out of this car right now. And you can do it. But you can also suppress it and move ahead and ignore that voice. Because the Holy Spirit is a gentle person. Finally, uh, another thing, negative thing you can do is you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Not only suppress it, you can grieve it. Look what Paul says. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Don't grieve God, which is the Holy Spirit. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you, inside you as a disciple, is the most intimate, the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. 
forgive one another as quickly and totally as God in Christ forgave you. In other words, you can grieve the Holy Spirit by letting bitterness seep inside you. It can be a word, somebody said, it can be a deed, or it can be life that it throws at you, an event in life, and you feel so hurt that you, you start to have bitter, inner hostility and ill will inside you. If you let that bitter grow, you, you will become angry, and you respond angry to people, right? And then finally, you will slander people, their character, their personality, instead of looking at issues, you know. But Paul says the only solution is forgive each other as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. That's the only solution. You can go and, and try all of the psychological solutions, whatever else. It's not going to work. Unless you forgive each other as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Then you can put everything aside. So, the third thing that you can do positively is, you can have the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what about a life, you think? When instead of being bitter, you say, Holy Spirit, you live in me. Can you let me have love? Instead of this disrespect that I have, can you replace that with joy? How about this quarrel that I feel that just I will quarrel with anyone? Can you give me your peace? This is the fruit of the Spirit. How about replacing my anger right now, Holy Spirit, with some patience? Can you replace my rage with kindness? My malice with goodness? My slander with faithfulness? Can you have me be faithful to my friends? How about my meanness with gentleness? And how about my addiction to all sorts of things with self-control? Well, that's a personal. Can you, can you see a person led by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, living a life like that? How about the church? How about the church? And especially because today that we don't have Kids Rock, I will invite the kids to watch with me a video. And it's about the church. So think of the red little tractor. The tractor is the church, okay? And Farmer Dave is our Dave Minima. Farmer. No, it's just a Dave, Farmer Dave. So let's watch together. The big red tractor and his little village. Once upon a time, in a little field, in a happy little village, lived a big Dave studied the book all night. 
Father Dave gathered the villagers to tell them the good news, but nobody believed him. There's no way that tractor can move on its own, some said. One lady said, it sounds like you're reading a fairy tale. The people laughed at him. This made Farmer Dave very sad. This didn't stop Farmer Dave from believing what he read. Every night, while the other villagers were asleep, Farmer Dave spent time repairing the big red tractor. One night, Farmer Dave fixed the tractor completely. He jumped on the tractor and had so much fun driving it, he ended up plowing the whole field in one night. The next morning, the villagers woke up and were in shock. The whole field had been plowed. It's a miracle, one man said. Maybe aliens came down, said an old woman. No, look over there, a little boy shouted. It was Father Dave, sleeping from the tractor. It was then that people shouted. He was right. The tractor book is true. The villagers ended up plowing many fields that year and harvesting way more food than they could ever eat. They had so many leftover boxes of food that they began taking the boxes to other villages where food was scarce. The big red tractor and his little village soon became famous throughout the land. They became known as the most generous and life-giving people in the whole wide world. What if, what if we let the Holy Spirit take control of our lives, both as disciples of Christ, but also as a church? You know, we can come to church and we can put out a good program and maybe a prayer time and sharing time and teaching and preaching. But in the end, in the end, it is the Holy Spirit who can bless all of our efforts. He is the supernatural power that can make us into a supernatural church. Because we individually also, we are super persons because we have God, the Trinity, the, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, in our own hearts. And He wants us to be controlled by Him. What if we let go of our control and put Him in charge? Would you do that? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your promise in the Old Testament that you will put your law and your spirit in us. And we thank you that in Christ and through him you fulfill that promise. So we come before you with our empty hearts and we ask that you will fill them, Holy Spirit. Please fill us and please bring the gifts that you have and the fruit that you have so that we can be people and a church, as your church people, a manifestation of your supernatural power. So may you, Holy Spirit, lead us individually as families, as kids or grandkids, or as grandparents, as siblings, but also as a community that is your people, your church. May we have your power, Spirit, Holy Spirit, to live and to lead a life guided by you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and receive God's greeting? If you need to pray with somebody, there is a prayer room here to my right, and uh, some of the hillside people will love to pray with you this morning. Otherwise, as we go from here, may the powerful presence of the Spirit and His guidance, and may you live this coming week in His filling. May you, you feel that He is controlling you. He is controlling your thoughts, your mind, what you, what you say, what you speak, but also what you do. 
So may we live from here, disciples filled by the Holy Spirit, a church filled by Him. In Christ's name, amen. You may go in peace.